Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. Around the world, honeybee populations have been rapidly declining. Although there is an overwhelming amount of scientific research that proves the cause for this decline is due to the widespread use of systemic pesticides, also known as neonicotinoids, industry claims that these pesticides are not the root of the problem. In fact, many industry apologists adamantly insist that the decline is due to varroa mites. While varroa mites do greatly impact the health of the colony, it is clearly not the case when it comes to the rapidly declining honeybee population in Australia. Why? Well, there are no varroa mites in Australia. So this is a moot argument in the down under, at least for the time being. In 2012, commercial migratory beekeeper Jeffrey Gibbs was on the show to talk about many of the common experiences beekeepers in Australia had in common with American beekeepers. Sadly, many of the problems experienced by American beekeepers were becoming the new reality for beekeepers in Australia. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk to Jeffrey Gibbs about this crisis in Australia. So first, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. And our guest today, Mr. Jeffrey Gibbs. Welcome back, Jeffrey. Hello, June. Hello, Tom. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, can you tell us about your operation? Uh, well, I've been a commercial beekeeper for 40 and a half years now. I ran 2,000 hives for most of my life, and at the moment um, I'm buying beeswax from the bottom of Australia to nearly the top of it. I'm involved with a lot of beekeepers. In fact, it's fair enough to say nearly all of the big commercial ones. Um, we're the largest producer of beeswax candles in the world. And I'm using a lot of wax, so I'm involved with a lot of Australian beekeepers. And uh, I get to hear their joys and problems, probably more than most others in Australia. I'm connected with the beekeepers continually. Jeff, what were some of the first signs that you experienced that indicated that your operation was experiencing the same types of problems here in America? Hmm. Well, I was first um, connected to the concept of neonicotinoids doing harm through bees, with bees through Tom, um, and vanishing of the bees. And I looked out the door and saw this new phenomenon with the canola. It was our first um, incidence. And that was when the bees were coming off canola, they seemed to just be disappearing. You'd have boiling hives of three boxes high and then when you shift them more than half of the bees just seem to disappear and that's what I was hearing coming out of the states and I started to connect the two 
and found out that we've got the same neonicotinoid-coated seed here in Australia, and that's where I started, connecting the line. So the first thing I saw is bees falling apart after being on canola. That was my first. Um, well, to me, it's now proof that neonicotinoids are damaging bees on a massive scale here in Australia, and uh, it was from being on neonicotinoid-coated seed-coated canola that the bees were disappearing. What are the losses to date? Mm, that would be hard to say, June. The losses are coming through winter, winter die-offs. And, and through the avalanche of disease, we haven't got varroa mite here, but we've got every other disease going. And uh, particularly the winter that we've just come out, out of, most of the southern hives, particularly the ones that were working almonds and canola, all broke out in the seamer in autumn. And uh, we, we had massive losses here this winter. That I think the norm down south now is 30% losses, but we've had over 50% losses with some beekeepers. Um, it's hard to gauge what the real losses are because beekeepers are forever trying to build up their numbers. Um, but still, a 30% loss, if this were any other industry, it would not be acceptable. But yet, a 30% loss across the board, it seems to be the new norm. What would your losses have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Well, well, I remember Tom crying over a 10% loss. It was a massive loss, 10% mm-hmm. for me. I'd never suffered a 10% loss before. But... 20 years ago, and look, it could have been, I, I've been trying to relate how far back neonicotinoids were being applied on macadamias because we pollinate a lot of macadamias here and that could have been the start of it. We, we didn't even know. Like, I had never heard of the word neonicotinoids in, until uh, Tom, really. And, mm-hmm. and that's a few years ago now too, Tom. Um, yes. Uh, uh, that I've, I've been watching it, but... Um, look 20 years ago losses were the usual 5% maybe something like that yes I have a much smaller operation so I can tend them much more closely and my Mm. losses would have been 2 to 5% yeah and now you know they're 30, 40, 50, 60% yeah Mm. Mm. yeah well there's no doubt about it. it it seems to me that there's a massive weakening of each individual beehive in Australia, we have the one thing that the United States haven't, in that the beekeepers run out into the forests far from farming, but those forests are limited, and because of that, you know, there's a lot of overstocking happening now. That there's a lot of beekeepers avoiding farming areas now, and that's a new thing in Australia for beekeepers to be running from farming areas. That's that's only five years old here. What percentage of the beekeeping population in Australia do you think has come to understand the role that these neonicotinoids are playing in their losses? Mm. That, that's a good question because I, I'm always gauging that too. I wrote the first article of neonicotinoids in Australia and that was in 2011. And when I wrote it, maybe 90% or more of the beekeepers in Australia were dubious of what I was writing. 
But the good thing about it is that they'd at least heard that name, neonicotinoids. They'd heard that the canola seed was coated. They'd heard that the almonds were covered in it, as well as all the other crops. And so it was an eye-opening for them. I think 90% of the beekeepers now in Australia are watching it very closely. And more than 50% in Australia are avoiding almonds, canola, and they're tying it together. It's been slow here, Tom, because it's a type of uh, pesticide poisoning that we weren't used to. Every beekeeper's been killed by pesticides here. Mm -hmm. But you're used to going into a yard of 120 hives, and when you've been hit by pesticides, you, you see dead bees all over the ground when you're walking in. No one's used to seeing bees just vanish or yes. you, you get a real strong load of bees you shift them two weeks later they're half the bees they were but there's being more and more reports of that and they're talking amongst themselves now i feel like the beekeepers are just waking up now that's how i feel but there's a lot that are waking up now they they it, it's almost like they need a whole lot more deaths of their bees to uh, join in, in some form of unity and speak out about it. I wouldn't say that the beekeepers here are in any form of unity whatsoever over <laughs> on, on anything. But neonicotinoids now is an issue they're all talking about. In fact, the beekeepers are the only ones in Australia who know the word neonicotinoids the public in Australia have never even heard that word before, yet it's on over 90% of our food here. Apparently, neonicotinoids have come into the market and taken over 85% of the whole insecticide market in Australia. That's massive. Mm. Australia's a big farm, and to come in and take 85% of any market is massive. And that's been for us, it particularly came in with the genetically modified seeds, which is only seven years ago. Before that, it was in use, but nothing like it is now. It's everywhere now, Tom. Yes. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing it's not on anymore. It's on everything. It's coming through everything. I don't think it would be possible to put your hand on anything in the supermarkets that neonicotinoids aren't in partially. It sounds uh, very much like what's happened here in the United States. Here we've had a lot of... Uh difficulty with the regulatory agencies and we've talked about regulatory capture are are you getting support from your government and your regulatory agencies over there or just what is their role in this whole thing not only am i not getting support i'm getting opposition their, their standard uh statement that they put out to everyone is that there's not enough scientific proof yet you look out there at the scientific proof i mean even germany now is moving legislation to ban neonicotinoid-coated seeds, which is rather obscene when their science proves that neonicotinoid-coated seeds are harming the environment, and yet that country itself is shoveling so much neonicotinoids out to the rest of the world. That's, that's a, it's a type of terrorism. If their science proves that it's damaging, why would they then send those 
insecticides out to the rest of the world. You'd have to wonder about that. But no, to answer your question, it's called the APVMA here, Australian Pesticides and Veterinary Medicines Authority. Would that be they're, the equivalent of our EPA? That's correct. And and you'd have to come to the conclusion that they're pro-insecticide company at this point. There's a lot of money in it, Tom. There's billions of dollars in it. Yes. Well, Australia is a very big farming country, and and everything's coated in neonicotinoids now. The head vet of the Australian Fisheries told me that 92% of the APVMA's income comes from tariffs from these insecticides. That's large, 92%. Really? Wow. Yeah. And and so the the feeling I always get from the APVMA is that they're very defensive. They're defending neonicotinoids in Australia. They're not open to the fact that it's killing our bees. They're defending. Mm -hmm. Here in the United States, we estimate that about 90% of the usage of neonicotinoids is by way of seed coating, and the EPA does not consider that a pesticide use. How is that handled in Australia? That, that, that's the same, Tom. After I heard that, I rang the APVMA to ask them, and they said the same thing. It's not registered as a, as a pesticide if it's a seed coating, yet you can't buy seeds anymore that's not coated in neonicotinoids here. You can from the smaller organic suppliers, but every seed in Australia, you can't buy clover seed anymore that's not coated in neonicotinoids. You can't buy it. It's not out there. Every I couldn't think of a worse application either. Clover seed, you know, clover is very attractive to honeybees. Oh, well, of course. For, for millennia it has been. And the concept that clover is now poisoning our bees is obscene. But I just had a load of uh, bees drop down from a friend of mine that were up in this high clover country. At the, well, it was going towards the, the, the end of summer. And there was nothing else but clover. There was no other farm in there. And they got such a thrashing, Tom. They went from strong, well, Tom would understand this language, but from strong double beehives down to this little handful of bees, like down to two, three-frame nucleuses, Tom. They were mm-hmm. trashed. And I, I went through the, uh, I brought them down to our country down here and I'm helping them get them back on their feet, which is a long haul, I've got to tell you. I don't even know if they're going to get back on their feet for this summer. But um, I was helping them, and for the first time I saw entombed pollen. First time we've seen it here, Tom. Yes, we've seen that. First time I've been looking, because bees don't entomb pollen. In fact, they never cap it over. But this is capped over with a type of propolis in these sunken cells, and that's the first time I've seen it. And to me, that was... Uh, evidence that it was neonicotinoid pollen that was killing the bees. It's, it, it couldn't have been anything else. And all they were on is clover. So now, for the first time in history, clover is not helping bees or helping pollinators, but it's killing them. We're seeing, this is the hand of industry that we're seeing, and we're seeing it in every country where we have uh, the kind of agriculture that we have in the United States and in Australia. This is industry taking control of the regulation and the government. We've said here, and I've said it myself many times, 
we no longer have a government in the United States. The, the chemical companies are in the driver's seat. That, that's the impression I, I've been getting. I, I've be, been at the APVMA over near nicotinoids. Well, I, I think I'm the main person in Australia at the APVMA over near nicotinoids, but it's been for the last nine years. You know, when I first asked them the question, have we got clothiandin in this country? The head of the head of the neonicotinoids, well, the head of the pesticides in the APVMA, Les Davis, told me, yes, we've got it on sugarcane. That's how he answered. In reality, Tom, we had it on hundreds of different fruits and crops. But right from the start, that they were very secretive, very covered, not really answering my questions. I mean, you could call that an answer. Yes, mm -hmm. it's on sugarcane, but it was on everything at the time. And um, and, he, and he answered sugarcane because it doesn't flower, you see. He didn't tell me, yes, we've got it on canola, and yes, we've got it on blueberries, and yes, we've got it on macadamias, and yes, we've got it on sunflowers, and yes, we've got it on maize, and yes, we've got it on everything. He didn't answer that. Well, right from the start, the, the APVMA, um, well, lied to me about where clothianidin was being used in Australia. They told me it was just on sugarcane. Well, they didn't say it was just on sugarcane. I asked, is clothianidin being used in Australia? They said, yes, on sugarcane. But in reality, it was being used on hundreds of, of, of applications. And so you'd wonder why they even tried to keep that secretive. But I think it was because sugarcane doesn't flower. And so he thought that that is the answer I'd like to hear. Do you have any guess as to where you think this is headed, Jeffrey? What are we oh, going to see in the next year in Tom, Australia? Tom, it's headed for disaster. It, it already is. The, um, the, the losses here aren't funny anymore. The outbreak in disease, um, hive beetles, a good one. We're getting outbreaks in hive beetle similar to how you're getting with Varroa. And in my opinion... It's because the bees' immune system's being weakened to a point where they're really quite sick and they can't overcome the parasites or the, the, or the disease. And so, similar to AIDS, it looks like anything will kill the bees because of their weakened immune system. And that's my opinion of what neonicotinoids are doing in Australia to hundreds of thousands of beehives. Now, no one seems to be escaping it. We can run into the forests and get away from it. And particularly, it's good if you can in autumn to refresh the bees with, like, pure good pollen. But if we didn't have the forests, Tom, I don't know what we'd... Uh, we'd be in a worse state than you. I, I actually think that neonicotinoid use in Australia is more prevalent than America. Boy, that's... a. Uh of great concern. I want to mention you've written a second article that came out last week and people can access that on the internet in a publication called the Australasian Beekeeper and I would encourage our listeners to do that because you've outlined I think very clearly what the concerns are in Australia. They're a, a, almost a one-to-one -one reflection of what we're seeing in the United States and in any other country where these neonicotinoids have been introduced. But I think it's important that people educate themselves, and, and your article would be a good way to do that. 
we will have a link on the organicview.com with the link to Jeffrey's article. So, folks, you can look for it there. Jeffrey, I'm just curious, how are the growers dealing with this? Because without the beekeepers, how are their crops being pollinated? How is this impacting their bottom well, line? Well, that, that, that's a very important question. You know, I'm hearing nonstop about crops. We're in the middle of macadamias, and they're suffering losses everywhere, and they're always blaming something. They're blaming too much rain, too little rain, too windy, too hot, too dry, too something. In reality, we used to have every tree in this area used to sound like a helicopter in spring with so many bees in it, and there's so few bees. On, on the plateau that we're on, we used to run 2,500 hives here in spring. Uh, I don't think you'd have counted 200 hives here this spring. Um, it's because the beekeepers are fleeing from the the insecticides and and it's affecting everything. I heard that we had in Queensland, there's farmers complaining now about their tomatoes. We've had whole losses on pumpkins and squash where there's just no bees. We've had farmers pulling out their apple trees in Queensland because they can't get any bees anymore. Beehives now are something like $400 each, Tom. They're, they're, they can't get enough bees for the almonds. We've got 6,000 acres of almond increase every year in Australia. They couldn't get enough bees last year. They haven't got enough bees this year. So how are they ever going to get the bees? I don't know. And it's impacting everywhere. It's just that a lot of people haven't put two and two together. They haven't put, like there's a lot of growers out there, haven't realised it's the lack of bees yet. But from a beekeeper's perspective, you can see it very clearly. The lack of bees everywhere correlating to the lack of food, it's already started. It's not like global warming that's going to happen in some 20 years' time. This is now. Our Australian crops are being affected now. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot of crops being affected because we haven't got the honeybees now. Not in the future, but this year, right now. Jeff, what would you like the listeners to learn from what you're experiencing? Mm. Well, well, look, as I'm telling everyone here in Australia, we grew up with all these sparrows. You look outside the window now, there's no sparrows. Our lorikeet population, the parrots that survive on honey and pollen, are decreasing by 10% a year. The first thing that we noticed is all the bat populations, and we had a lot of bats in this area. They're all disappearing. The butterflies aren't here anymore. We don't even have any grasshoppers. We can't see red lady beetles anymore. Everything in nature is being affected. It's not just bees. We're, we're, we're in a holocaust for pollinators here, Tom. It, it's not funny anymore. We're suffering losses across the board of just about everything. So I'd tell your listeners to wake up, look outside the window, and look at the losses that they're seeing. It's not just bees. It's everything. We're, we're having losses now in kookaburras and magpies because they haven't got the insects that they normally live off. So we're having massive, massive losses in our environment. And as for pollinators, they're being decimated. In my guess, maybe, you know, the wild, maybe 10% a year. We, we may have none in another seven or eight or nine or ten years. Uh, that is bats, a lot of these little birds, 
Everything's disappearing by very large percentages. The only reason that bees aren't completely wiped out already is that beekeepers are doing their best trying to build up bees. But while you're building up bees, you're not, you're not getting honey. And our honey figures here, Tom, are just looking like they're decimated, mate. The, the, the honey production in Australia is dropping massively. The hive numbers are, are, are dropping too, but the beekeepers are forever trying to build bees up. And so you're either building bees up or you're collecting honey. But the real figures come out here in the honey production. Australia is a big producer and we're losing massive hundreds of tons of honey every year. Beekeepers are an independent lot, and I think, if anything, Australian beekeepers are probably even more independent. Do you think that uh, the beekeepers are going to call the government to account and bring some changes? Because we're seeing these kinds of losses around the globe. We're certainly seeing them in the United States, in the U.K., in Holland. Um, do you think Australians are going to call their government to account? I don't think the beekeepers will at all. And unfortunately, from uh, my opinion, anyhow, the Australian Honeybee Industry Council's in bed with the APVMA. The APVMA's in way too close contact uh, with, with the beekeeper uh, groups who, who are not really representing the beekeepers at all. If anyone's representing the beekeepers, it's the honey packers in Australia. And our two biggest packers, Capilano, which are the largest honey packers in the world, Capilano, mm -hmm. um, and uh, another called Super Bee, which both of those represent two-thirds of Australian beekeepers, have just recently put out statements calling on the APVMA to ban neonicotinoids. So we will get it through the beekeeping honey packers because they're suffering immense losses and they're just waking up that it's neonicotinoids at the root of their losses. And so the two biggest honey packers in Australia are calling for bans on neonicotinoids here, and they're representing two-thirds of Australia's beekeepers, Tom. Well, that should have some effect, I would think. God, you'd want to hope so. One of the things that American beekeepers have experienced here is the point where they have to choose whether or not to offer pollination services or to focus on honey. Do you think that it's going to get to that point over there as well? It's already here, June, and, and the community's very divided. The beekeeping community is very divided over that issue. There's beekeepers trying to defend almonds because of the money that's involved in it for them. And... And there's beekeepers that absolutely refuse to go anywhere near almonds, canola and farm country. The beekeeping community split. Uh, look more on the side of staying away from farming than running to it. And the almond um, I industry is losing massive amounts of bees because the beekeepers are refusing to go there anymore. I, I don't know what they're going to do, the almond industry, other than pay incredible amounts for beekeepers to go there to sacrifice their bees which is like gee tom that there's not many beekeepers in bees yeah most beekeepers i meet actually love their bees and no one likes killing their bees and i don't know you might get the ruthless ones that don't care it's just about money but mm, 
No, the beekeeping community here is waking up, and I, I, I think the almond community is the almond industry are the ones that's going to be obviously in trouble, and and those that are reliant on pollination are going to be in more trouble than bees because we don't have to go on canola and almonds and sunflower and crops. We don't have to. We can run into the forests. And the only thing that you're getting beekeepers there for is increasingly large amounts of money. And the beekeepers know that they're sacrificing their bees to go there. They know that already. But unfortunately, Jeff, the reality is because of the sublethal effects of neonicotinoids, the fact that these chemicals are mobile in groundwater, inevitably the forest is not going to be a safe haven. So unfortunately what we talked about several years ago is happening. It's sad, but I sincerely hope that this message does reach a number of people in other parts of the world, especially in Australia and New Zealand and other places where neonicotinoids have not necessarily been as much of a problem as they have been here in America as well as in Europe. Uh, so, June, I, I think they have been a, a problem. New Zealand's got a real problem, and Australia's got a very serious problem. And we've ho- probably had it as... Look, if you took the beekeepers who don't go near farming country out of the picture, I believe we've got a worse problem than America mm. and and have had for a long time. It's just that the, up until I wrote that article, the beekeepers had never even heard of the word neonicotinoid. They didn't even hear about it. There, there was no liaison between the APVMA and beekeepers that no one had even heard of the word, that no one even could grapple with the idea of what a systemic pesticide was. And until the last few years when they've been talking about it. And I think we've got a serious problem. It's not just with bees. It's with our whole environment. And, and we're, we're losing the native animals, but particularly birds and insects, on a massive scale. Like, no one's taking records of anything. It, it, it's, it's a bit of a sort of wild west out there in the farming community and we're suffering massive losses now for anyone who wants to pay any attention at all i mean if you just paid attention to the magpies our native bird or you just paid attention to the kookaburras just that single bird or the lorikeets or the bats or the butterflies each one of them are being decimated i mean decimated out of light you can't even see them anymore I believe it's neonicotinoids in the water tables everywhere around farming. We had a we had a flood here in 2011, 2012, and it was in this. Oh well, it was in a massive country the size of Germany and France. It was underwater in floodwaters here a handful of years ago, and it ran through this cotton country that had been lying in drought for seven or eight years, and they were applying neonicotinoid coated seeds every year and spraying twice a year with a half-life of 19 years in in heavy soils the water-soluble neonicotinoids lied in that ground for seven years then we had a flood that went over the levee banks dumped it all in the river and down our main river system the murray darling at one of these towns called burke they recorded 40 million dead fish 40 million 
Like that's a lot of dead fish coming coming out of the cotton country, which suddenly that river got dumped with a massive amount of insecticides in the river. I was the only one in Australia who followed that story. I was the only one who asked all the way down the chain, was that water tested for neonicotinoids? And mind you, for 2,000 kilometres upstream, it was the only insecticide that they were using. The answer come back yeah, after they tried to slap freedom of information on me, that I had to go around the back door and get in through the water board just to ask the question, was that water tested for neonicotinoids? 40 million dead fish in a in country that was only using neonicotinoids for 2,000 kilometres, and the answer is no. No one tested the water for neonicotinoids. What a they, joke. They still haven't? No. Well, to, well, Tom, you'd have to evacuate whole towns. Like those towns out there, the Murray... The Murray-Darling system runs through very, very dry country. I think it's the second biggest river system in the world. And, and it runs through very, very dry country that they're irrigating out of that river for thousands of kilometres. And it, it's all broad acre farming, all neonicotinoids, you know, for thousands of kilometres. But those townships rely on that, on that water. There is no other water. It hardly ever rains out there. It's running through what you'd call arid or semi-arid country very very dry of rainfall of uh you know in in your language rainfall of maybe three or four inches a year which which is not enough to sustain the towns so the towns no, have to be sustained off the water now if they tested that water for neonicotinoids in reality and found it absolutely peaking out like when those fish were all dying they'd have to evacuate dozens and dozens of towns so they would rather just let people eat those pesticides mate they're swimming in it. It, it it's their drinking water it's their showering water they have no other water but that the same is true here jeffrey i just want to say thank you so much i know that there's a huge time difference between new york and where you're located in australia so thank you so much you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to come on the show and i i wish that things were going to change for the better, but the only way that things are going to happen is if people start speaking up. That's the only way that things are going to happen and change will happen. We highly encourage you to try to get your fellow countrymen to ban these chemicals as they've done in Europe. The United States, I don't know what they're going to do, but these chemicals, as Tom has said so many times, we're witnessing the most massive poisoning of the planet, and these chemicals have been proven to be the cause of the honeybee decline, not to mention the fact that they are more toxic than DDT. I'm generally very pessimistic about this situation, but optimistic to the degree that I think public awareness has increased enormously, and I don't think the people are going to put up with this much longer. I think they are going to call these people to account. Whether they're effective or not, is yet to be seen but this is one of the only venues in the world really the neonicotinoid view where we are speaking out and it's important that we do these kinds of interviews Jeffrey and I want to I want to commend you for the courage that it's taken to speak out you know you're not going to be patted on the back by everyone I know that personally I know that it's happened to me but we have to speak out I've got a very dim view of here in Australia, Tom. Our wildlife's getting a thrashing. 
and it, it's only really been here for uh, roughly 10 years in 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 it, it's an entirety and the damage it's done so far you couldn't even count it i don't even know if we could even come back from it and it's just getting worse and worse and that neonicotinoids in use are increasing every year. I've got a really dim view, but we will have the beekeepers on board within two or three years. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you, Tom. Folks, please check out the companion article, which will be available on theorganicview.com, along with a link for Jeffrey's article. And once again, tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. It's, as Tom pointed out, we're really the only venue out there that is discussing this week after week after week. And folks, please, by all means, reach out to your elected officials. It doesn't matter what country you reside in. This is a global problem. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.